Shalom, brothers and sisters. Shalom. Shalom. We have a timely lesson today called Prepare for Prophecy. So today we're going to go into some mental preparation um, of what our mindset should be going forward uh, after, after what is about to go down in this earth concerning prophecy. So, you know, during this time after we've had the truth and now we are being led by the Most High... One thing we must, you know, take into account is that we should filter everything that's going to transpire through scripture. So follow direction from scripture because it's going to get tough and only the spiritually strong will survive. Let's go to Matthew 19. This is Christ and the disciples. We're going into our mindset going forward. We're going to read uh, 19 and 27. <clears throat> Matthew 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? So this is when Christ was soon to be delivered. The disciples asked, We gave up everything to follow you, Christ. We were fishers. We had boats. We gave up everything to follow you. What, what are we going to get out of this? This is what's being asked. Continue, brother. Verse 28. And Christ said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He said those who followed him during the regeneration, which means <clears throat> when you pass away, and those who are have already died when Christ come back, come up from the grave. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 28. And Christ said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he told those disciples that when Christ bring the kingdom, you will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes. Continue, brother. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or read that, mother. Read that again, brother. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or, mother, or wife, or children, or lands, now, for my name's sake. Now the Most High is telling you what you may have to sacrifice to do this work. That's what he's saying. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or fathers, or mothers, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold. See, so you must, you must be willing to put everything down and be a living sacrifice. That's what this is saying. Everything is on the line. This is serious when you come to do this work. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses... Or brethren, or sisters. Because the Most High is the one who's given you all of these relationships. The Most High gave you your mother, or your husband, or your wife, or your brother. You got that from the Most High. Continue, brother. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold. And shall inherit everlasting life. Everlasting life. So he said, or lands. So if the Most High tell you, you have to move from a land. And we're not just talking about Babylon. But we know that 
We're going to have to move around quite a bit because Second Ezra told us, be like pilgrims on the earth, which means be ready to take your bag and go. Don't think that you're going to move out of the country and stay one place because it's going to be going down everywhere. So this is the mental preparation of where we should be. Now, read that one more time, brother. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold. For his name's sake. So we must go proclaim the name of the Most High. That's what we are to do. Continue. And shall inherit everlasting life. Right. So if you present yourself as a living sacrifice, then you will receive everlasting life. And that's the thing. We don't even know what it's like to live right now. This isn't living. This isn't living at all. For you to, you know, we think that life is going to work, being used like a battery and tossed like rubbish the next day. Just for our children to do the same thing. That's what we think life is. If you're not working, slaving yourself out, you're not working. You don't have a good life. That's that's what we have been programmed to believe. Read it one more time. Verse 29. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold. And shall inherit everlasting life. Right. So the Most High said those lands, right? That's key. You should examine that because why? You can't put borders on the Most High. Wherever the Spirit tells you to go is where you have to go. You can't say, ah, yeah, I'm only going to do it here. That's like Jonah. You got to go wherever he leads you to go no matter what land it is. So we got we to gotta examine that. We got to examine that. Um, we're going to go to, well, actually, go ahead and read verse 30, brother. Verse 30, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Right. See, now, this is key because we know plenty of people that are saying, you know, I've been in this truth. or You know, I've been reading the Bible and had a relationship with God for 30 years. This is what they're going to say. That's what they're saying already. And the Most High is saying the the low, the youth. Are going to be the ones to lead. He, he said he would speak to his people through the mouth of babes. Read that scripture again, brother. Verse 30. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Right. Now, we're going to prove to you that the bulk of this doctrine of Christ would be brought by the children, the babes, you know, the youngins. This generation here. This is the generation that's going to free us because why? This generation are spiritual rebels. They're not attached to institutions that program them to fear government. So, you know, if our past, you know, uh, generations would have had it, they would have brought the kingdom. They don't have it. So now we're going to see what the most I have to say. Go to uh, let's go to Matthew 11 and 25. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Christ answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Read that again. Verse 25. At that time, Christ answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, 
and has revealed them unto babes. Right. So we have woken up in a mass number, especially the youth have woken up in a mass number for a mass movement. And they can't deal with that. They can only deal with carnal wars. They can't fight a spiritual war. They're not ready for that. They can't do that. Anybody can fight a physical war. You can't beat them in that. But the spiritual war is what the Most High have woken the youth up to lead. It's this generation right now, not the ones before. This one right here is going to be the people that break us free. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. At that time, Christ answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and has revealed them unto babes. Right. Let's go to Mark 2 and 22, because... The Most High said, you can't put new wine in old, in an old bottle. We're going to show it to you, because why? It's going to go into the youth. We're going to prove it to you. Let's go to Mark 2 and 22. Mark 2, verse 22. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled. And the bottles will be be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. See, because some people are just so caught up in their doctrine and their way of life that they can't change. They can't. The Most High is going to use the youth. Why? Because the youth don't have that much life to say that they were wrong. This is not this age that we're at is not even half of the life that we're going to live. Some people have lived over half of their life, 50, 60 years. So they may be thinking for 40 years. I See, only, you know, the youth have only been adults for, you know what I mean? Not so long, maybe a decade, maybe a little over a decade, which means we were following what our parents said before that time. So you've only had maybe a decade, a little less than 10 years to be doing the wrong thing and have made the wrong decision. This is the age where you are looking to find yourself, become a man, become a woman. This is at this age, especially in the, your early 20s, around 20 for men, is when they start looking for God. They start looking into religion. They start looking for something bigger than themselves. That's usually the age that it happens for a man. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine does burst the bottles and the wine is spilled and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Right. See, so the older generation was pacified. This generation is different. This generation is ready to crack the world open. We just wanted to show you that the Most High would talk to, you know, the parents, the older generation through this generation here. This is the generation. So there's a responsibility. This is the mental preparation for prophecy that's to come. We're going to go to Matthew 16. We wanted to stick in the gospel a little bit because a lot of times people hear us going to the, to the Apocrypha, Old Testament a lot. And they think that it may be something up with the New Testament. And we believe, I want to say, we believe the entire Bible, the entirety of the Bible. And the other Hebrew records also. So we're not, you know, a church who just follows the Old Testament or just follows the New Testament. We follow them both in conjunction with the Apocrypha. All right. Let's go to Matthew 16 and 16. 
Matthew 16, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Read that one more time. Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter, Peter through the Holy Spirit had the understanding that Christ was the Son of God. He had that understanding. Now during this time, there was other doctrines. Israelites were waiting on Elijah. They were waiting on David because it said that he would raise up David from the seed of David. So they thought that David was going to be reincarnated. These are the things that Israelites believed. So this was a new doctrine. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he said he knew that he was the Messiah. Peter knew through the Holy Spirit that Christ was the one to be that was prophesied about. The one that they were talk, you know, talking about and teaching about the whole time, you know, and he's there. He he understood. He, continue, brother. Verse seventeen. And Christ answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, that thou art Peter. Or, excuse me, revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, read that one more time, brother. Verse seventeen. Verse 17, And Christ answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, so he got the understanding from the Most High, from the Holy Spirit. This was something that a man did not tell him. See? So he understood that Christ was the, the Messiah, the Hamashiach. They understood. Continue, brother. Verse 18, and I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Read that again. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now the Roman Catholic Church comes in right here and say that they are the church that Christ was building through Peter. This is what they said. This is how they kind of link themselves. They always just use one scripture that just gets somebody who don't read the Bible a novice. To just follow everything they're saying when it really have nothing to do with what they're saying. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 18. And, all, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. So he would build his rock on who? On Peter. See? And the Roman Catholic Church knew this. Because why? Who did they build their doctrine off? Paul. The epistles, Ephesians, Galatians, Corinth. That's all what they use right there. They don't go into the gospel. Why? Because Christ was direct. And there was no way that you can twist what he was saying. It was clear. But Paul, but Paul he, was, he spoke a little bit different. He was different. So he spoke so deep sometimes that it could be manipulated to think, to, to make you think he was going against the law. When he wasn't going against the law. So they didn't stick on Christ's doctrine. They didn't use Peter. They used Paul because it said that what? Paul is hard to be understood. When you go into these Christian churches, look at the, you know, the bevy of New Testament epistle scriptures. And they don't even know, you know, who those scriptures were sent to. Those scriptures were sent to the churches in Ephesus, the church in Colossia. It was sent to the elders of the church. It wasn't sent to you know, people who didn't really know the law. It was sent to elders. So that's why some of the language you don't understand. Because why? If I'm a mechanic and I'm talking to a mechanic, there's certain things that I don't have to speak on because we understand. 
So I speak right over it and you get the terminology. See, so he wasn't speaking to everyday people. The Roman rulership were not using those letters <laughs> to, to rule with. This was strictly sent to the authority in the church. The elders, the ushers, that's who had this these letters. It wasn't meant for doctrine. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Right, so the, the Christian church or the Catholic church have infiltrated and then instituted their brand of Christianity. That's what they've done, because that's not what Christians were. Christians were Jews who believed in Christ, because the majority of the Jews didn't believe in Christ. So the Romans saw fit to put a label on those Jews so they can know which ones believe in Christ and which ones don't. And those Jews, Benjamin, Judah, Levi, were called Christians. It wasn't what you see today. Christianity or Catholicism is the highest satanic religion there is. I know people think, well, what about Islam? It's sad to say that Islam is a branch of Christianity. It's the same exact story. The same thing that they're pushing is just for Arabs. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing. So Christianity is the highest satanic religion, Catholicism, that there is. Let's uh, continue, brother. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So if we follow the same vein of, as Peter's the, the doctrine or the church that Peter established, we would have this. Read it one more time, brother. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Continue. Verse 20. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was the Christ. So he was like, don't go telling people who I am. This is what he was telling the disciples. Continue, brother. Verse 21. From that time forth began Christ to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. Read that again. Verse 21, from that time forth began Christ to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Right. So he was preparing them. He was preparing them to, for him to leave. So he was saying, listen, I'm going to need you to carry this. I'm going to need you to carry this. So he was preparing them because he knew his time was running down. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 21, from that time forth began Christ to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall not be unto thee. See, so now Peter is saying, no, Lord, don't die. Don't leave us. He's emotional. No, brother. I love you, brother. He's being emotional now. Now remember, Peter just received the keys to the kingdom, to the church. This was the same Peter. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. 
Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Read that again. But he turned unto, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Right. See, so number one, he separated that spirit that was in Peter from Peter. And now he just gave Peter the keys. And he still recognized that even then, Satan jumped in. Why? Because Peter was emotional. And when you're emotional, you that's Satan's getting ready to come into you. Whether it's a spirit of love or anger or whatever. If you aren't tempered, Satan will come in. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So don't follow your emotions. Don't be emotional. Sisters, do not be emotional. When you feel yourself and you know that you want to be emotional, you know when it's you just need to be angry or something. You know. I know, too. And you got to shun that because you know that, you know, that's not right. Because right now it may not seem like a good idea, but... When you intoxicated off of it, some things do look like a good idea. So we got to be very, very careful. Now, what we wanted to show you is that Christ saw the spirit in this same man that he just rebuked. So, listen, do not let your flesh overcome your spirit. That's the key thing, because this is what will happen. And no matter who you are, everybody can get used. Anybody, especially... When you're emotional. Read that one more time, please. Verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Right. So when we get emotional, we usually make decisions that will dictate the rest of our life. Usually when we're emotional, we make that decision. That will dictate the rest of your life based on that emotion that you had. We all have done it. Continue, brother. Verse 24. Then said Christ unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Read that again. Verse 24. Then said Christ unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Right. So if you're going to follow Christ, you must deny yourself. That means the things, of course, we want to go out and hang out, go on vacation, all these things. Go, just go to the picnic with my family. And, you know, everybody wants to do that. But is that the time right now with what's going on? So you must deny yourself. Deny what it is that you think you deserve. Read it one more time, brother. Actually, read from 23. Verse 23, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. So thou savorest the things that not be of God. So what he was saying is you are trying to follow a doctrine of a man. So you're telling Christ that he, you know, you know, through your emotion and love, we don't need you to die. Don't die. But that was the whole reason he came. So if he allowed you through that emotion to pull him out of the reason why he came, think about that. Read that part again, brother. Verse 20, verse 23. 
But he turned and said unto to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Right, so when you sign up for this work, understand that it's an entire lifestyle change. Understand, your life is no more. Everything is now dedicated to this. Everything. And it's not teaching the Bible or following laws. It's living the lifestyle. That's what your whole life is dedicated on. And everything you do should be predicated on the rock. That's how it is. Continue, brother. Verse 24. Then said Christ unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Right. So when I started... When I started to read about the kingdom, I realized how much I was cheated in life. That's what I realized, because this is nothing. If we're going to get it back a hundredfold, like Matthew said, then what is it to give up a little, you know, a little scratch when you're going to get it back a hundredfold? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. See, so you should be asking yourself, what am I willing to give up for the most high? What am I willing to give up? Because it's going to come down to that, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. But what does a man profit it? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, so a lot of us are frustrated in life that it's not a certain way that we think it should be. Read it again, brother. Verse 26. But what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Right. See, so how can you gain this world and then expect the world that's coming back with Christ also? How does that work? You want both kingdoms. No, you want to have your kingdom here. And if you have your kingdom here. You're not going to have it for eternity. That's it. Read it one more time, please. Verse 26. But what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Read that scripture, that first, that scripture before, brother. Verse 26. But what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, so what would you, what is the price for your soul? Because sometimes in the church they tell you, you got 30000 you put 30000 down on his tithes. So what's your buying that price? Can you be bought? That's what this is saying. Because whatever it is that Satan can give you to take your soul, that's exactly what he's going to give it to you. That's exactly, and you'll find out whether it was money or opportunity or whatever it was. It cost you your soul and it wasn't that important at all. But it's something in us. When we get our mind focused on something, we think that's the most important thing to us at this time. When really it's just a peon. It's a mustard seed in the true game. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 26. For what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Right. So you have to make sure that there is nothing... That you have in your life that you would not give up for the most high. Because he gave you whatever that is. And if you do that, you're going to lose it anyway. Because you put it over him. See? 
So we got to be very careful. And if you love something or someone, you put it in its proper place. That's the only way this can happen. Let's go to Matthew 16 and 1. Same chapter, just a few scriptures up. Matthew 16, verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Here they go again with them signs, Jacob and them signs. Yeah, if I just, if if something's, if the house just burned down, then I know he said, stop eating it. This is how Israel is. Well, when we hear that it's going to be a bomb coming, we know we're going to get out of here because we always get out of here. We always are looking on something, you know, extraterrestrial to happen for some reason. Even when we were coming out of Egypt, we were telling Moses, you know, Moses had to draw a line and say, anybody who step on this side is going to be with us. And if you step on that side, you're going to die. And then the whole earth started cracking in the middle. This is how he had to throw the staff down for a snake. For some reason, our people don't believe it unless they see it. Not sure why. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 1. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, when it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. See, so a lot of people are saying, Yo, where, the, where are the miracles at? You know, where's the walking on water and the healing and all that? And, you know, you make more miracles by just teaching. Why? Because you're raising up those dry bones. See? So that's a miracle. That's the miracle right there. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. He answered and said unto them, When it is evening, ye say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering. So what it's saying is, if you read two again, read two again, brother. Verse two, he answered and said unto them, when it is evening, he say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. See, so you can look at the weather and get your sign to say, oh, hold on. I need to grab a coat. It's going to be, it's going to be cold tonight. See, so you see those signs, but what? Continue, brother. Verse three, and in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering, O ye hypocrites. So you would prepare for rain when you see them clouds come in, right? Before you leave the house and grab that umbrella. Look like it's going to rain today. See? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and lowering, O ye hypocrites. Ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? See, so that means you see what you want to see. That's what that means. You see what you want to see. Do you not realize the time that we're in? That's what we're going to go into so you know what time you're in and what to do when you start to see certain things transpire. We're going to give you that today. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 3. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky... But can ye not discern the signs of the times? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Read that again. Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. See? Look at, the, look at this generation. They need a sign before they do anything. They need a sign. So what sign are they going to get, brother? <clears throat> but the sign of the prophet Jonas 
and he left them and departed. Read that again. Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given. There will be no sign given. See? Read that again, brother. Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Right. So a lot of people, they want to know the time. Well, how long before Christ come back? So they can go do what they want to do. That's why they're asking you. And they can know, okay, he's going to be back next. Let me hurry up and go over there and start doing the Sabbath. This is what our people do. This is exactly why. They're not asking because they're interested. They're trying to figure out how long can I play on the court before they shut the game down. That's how we are. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now, Jonas is the Greek for Jonah. This was Jonah. Remember what happened. He was supposed to go to Nineveh and teach, right? And he knew that people was hard-headed, just like they are today. They're probably even more hard-headed today. And he just said, I, I don't want to go there. Our people, they don't listen. They're going to attack me. They're going to say, oh, you, you follow this, you follow that, the same way they do to us today. And he didn't go that way. He went somewhere else on the boat, and there came a storm to his boat, to where they had to throw him off the boat. He's like, if y'all want to live, get away from me. <laughs> so we must do exactly what he says and go exactly where he said go. Or you're just going to you know, walk yourself back. The Most High will give you enough rope. To hang yourself. So don't don't go that far. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. First Corinthians 1 verse 22 For the Jews require a sign And the Greeks seek after wisdom Read that again Verse 22 For the Jews require a sign And the Greeks seek after wisdom Right now why does it only say Jews in the New Testament Because in 721 The northern tribes were taken out of the land So typically a Jew Is somebody from Judah But when you're talking about Jew or Judean that would be Benjamin, Judah, and Levi because we all lived in that same area together. So sometimes when you say Jew, especially in the New Testament, it's talking about Benjamin, Judah, and Levi because the other tribes were gone at this time. But read it again, brother. Verse 22. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. See, so our people need something spectacular to happen. We need the Red Sea to split for us to know. And then we're going to get over there and we're going to start arguing and saying, did the Most High bring us out here to die? <laughs> that was our people. Probably 24 hours after we crossed, we already started complaining. <laughs> we need a sign. But what? The Greeks seek about the wisdom. So if it makes sense to them, they're actually looking into it. Mm -hmm. So they'll be probably able to move around, you know, after what goes down in prophecy as far as wars and stuff like that. Just by reading and having literal knowledge. We're looking for something spectacular. And he said there will be no sign given. So because there'll be no sign that you're going to think 
is big enough for you to do it. Because how about all the signs he already gave you? He's already given us multiple signs. Number one, we're, we woke up. <laughs> That's a sign right there. That we're even wake. Right? That you have his name. That was another sign because he said in the end he would make sure his name was known. That's another one right there. So when you start seeing certain things, you have the sign. But you're looking for something else. And that's why he said it won't be there. Because you, you don't want to see all the signs that's already there. You, you're like, yeah, I need to see more uh, signs. I need to hear about more wars. <laughs> if I hear about another war, if four more. If I hear four more wars, I'm gone. Because he said rumors of wars. <laughs> see, this is where they go. As if the Most High is only dealing with prophecy in your land. That's the thing. What about all the other wars that's going on in the in the world, other than the ones involving your country? So, you know, if you you gotta follow, that's why we said filter what's going on through the scripture, because the scripture gonna let you know what to do and where to go and how your mindset should be. And this is the mental preparation. Uh, read that scripture one more time, brother. Verse twenty-two: For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. All right, let's, uh, you can stop there, brother. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to read verse 12 through 16. Hebrews 2, verse 12. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brother. See, that's what we're here to do. We're here to declare his name. That's what we're going to do. Because that's how you wake up the 144,000. And a lot of you guys are responsible for sharing that with people, even if they don't use it right away. They may use it right away if they hear it from somewhere else after you've already said something to them about it. See, that's usually how it happened. You just plant the one seed and you tell them, yeah, his name is I am or Ahaya. And then the Most High will bring another somewhere else and it'll hit him again like, hold on. Let me check that out because that's the second time I heard that from different sources. So sometimes, you know, we're not the one that's going to be doing the, you know, the trimming when the blooming comes, but you just planted the seed and that's all that it needs. That's all it needs. Uh, what's, uh, read that again, brother. Verse 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. Verse 14. Yes, sir. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. See, if we didn't fear death, we could have already brought forth the kingdom. We already could, but Satan used that as a scare tactic because why? He can hang that over your head anytime. See, so we got to put down the spirit of fear. You can't do this work if you're fearful. You got to have faith in the Most High and know that he have the the call, the, he have the phone number for life and death, for the wake up. Nobody else have that. Even if you're in some type of trouble where there's hysteria or pandemonium, right? And you're dealing with the Most High, if it's not your time, you're not going. You're not going. Especially if you're worth more alive. Now, if you're not sharing the word, then you might as well die. Because you ain't sharing it anyway. But if you are sharing it out there, then you know what? Let me leave him alone. He's going to go tell 10 other people next month. See? Give him a reason to keep you alive. Continue, brother. Verse 14. 
For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. See, so you must be willing to put your life on the line. This is what Christ said. The devil had control over death. And guess what? When Christ was crucified, he went into the pits and he got the keys and let them know. He prophesied to him and said, it's done. It's done. I've already done it. I rule now because he's already won. The thing is, the most high just haven't sent him yet. But in heaven, he already won. He already have the keys. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Right. So Christ came the same way we came. The same way we're here. He was here and he felt everything that is about to go down. He felt it. He had to come this way. Therefore, he could feel it and be righteous. Because that was a question I always had as a Christian. If Christ was God and he came and lived a perfect life, how does that how does that equate to me? Because he's God. See? So that doesn't even make sense because how could he have taught you anything? He was God. He was supposed to be perfect, right? So he was a man who struggled just like you and I, brothers and sisters. And we have to gird up our loins, guard our mind, and be ready for what's to come next. Uh, read, that, uh, read that next scripture, brother. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime su subject to bondage. Read that again. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So if you fear death, it makes you a slave. You can't do this work if you fear death. Because Satan will use that to keep you still. And listen, I, I didn't heard it. Brothers telling me, telling us, you know, man, you got to be careful with that stuff that you're saying because they're going to take you out. You're talking about that truth and this and that and the government. And I'm like, brother, I, listen, the most high going to take care of me. <laughs> and if something's supposed to happen, then it's going to happen. But this, if you won't die for what you believe in, then what kind of man are you? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels. Read that again. Verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. To prove to you that Christ came in the flesh just like us. What seed? What does seed mean? Let us show you. Because he came in the seed of Abraham. So is the Most High lying? Is he lying or are you wrong? That's the only way it works. <laughs> Romans 1 and 3, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 3. That's seed of Abraham. Romans 1, verse 3. Concerning his son Christ... Our Lord. Read that again. Concerning his son Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. By the seed of David according to the flesh. According to the flesh. So through the flesh, he was the seed of David, which means he was tempted just like the scripture said he was because he was a man just like you. He wasn't just any man, but he came flesh and blood and felt pain. 
Why would it? Why would it be important if he was God and he couldn't feel pain if he got whipped with all those lashes? See, and that's what they want to do. They want to take the greatness of Christ away from him and neutralize it by giving it a tranquilizer. That's what they're trying to do. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three concerning his son Christ our Lord. Which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Right. See, so we wanted to prove to you that Christ came in the flesh. And, you know, this Roman Catholic doctrine of where they're telling you that he, you know, the Most High dealt with Mary. And that's how he came. See, that, that's examine that. We know that fallen angels came and did that. And now they want you to believe that that that, uh, that daddy did it. That the Most High did it. Now they want you to believe that the Most High did exactly what he's punishing the angels for. Look at that. Look at how they're trying to trick you. According to the flesh, he was the son of David. According to the flesh, he was the son of Abraham. According to the flesh, through the spirit, he was the son of the Most High. Without a doubt, the first spirit ever created and created everything we see. But through the flesh, he was the seed of David. Let's go to Acts 2 and 30. Because even a Christian can follow this lesson because it's it's right in their doctrine, right in the New Testament. They don't go anywhere else. So they could even follow this, brothers and sisters. Uh, verse uh, 30, brother. Acts 2, verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that are the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh. According to the what? The flesh. According to the what? The flesh. He would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now say the Most High is a liar. Wow. See? Through the fruit of a man's loins. We know what that is. According to the flesh. Now is the Most High lying? Or did somebody teach us wrong? That Christ don't have a father. You don't have a father that make you a bastard, right? Excuse my language. See how they just sneak this in there? Read that one more time, brother. Verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now, why do we go here? Because this is the mindset that we must be in, the mindset of Christ. That's what we're going into. The mindset of the disciples. Christ went through everything we went through. Even on a higher degree, Satan offered him the world to rule. And we always said, a lot of times brothers and sisters will look at that Adam and Eve story and say, why didn't they just not eat it? They had everything else. Hmm. Only problem with that is you have that same fruit. It may not be a fruit though. There's something that you know he said don't do, but you can't stop doing it. See? So it was very hard for them not to do it. Very hard. The same way it's hard for you in whatever it is that you struggle with. So Christ went through the same temptation. That's why we went here. That's why. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Right. So he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. That's what happened. That's what's going on. That's what's going to transpire. Let's go to Hebrews 2 and 16. Going back to Hebrews, brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. 
Hebrews 2, verse 16. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on the, him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. Yeah, see, and this says he shall be made unlike like unto his brethren. See, so just like us, like his brothers and sisters, he was made just like that. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. See, to make reconciliation. That's, this is what makes him equitable, because he knows what it feels like to be in a fleshly body and to be tempted. See? So that way he can be a righteous judge. Right? That's Christ. Continue, brother. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Right. So the scripture before said he was made like unto his brethren. So that means he had the same fleshly temptations. So there's no excuse for us to be able to say, we can't obtain perfection. Because that's the excuse that we use. He was God. I can't do that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Can't do that. But now what? It didn't pull that rug now. Can you stand? Because you can't use that as an excuse anymore. Continue, brother. Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to succor them that are tempted. Read that again, brother. Please. Verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. So we need to be aware of any doctrine that came from the Roman Catholic Church. Anything that came from the Roman Catholic Church, because why? It's satanic and it's pagan at its core. If you believe in that Christ is God, then that means you believe that white picture they put on your wall is God. That's what you're saying. See how that See how that all rings together? If you think Christ is God, then you're thinking that that white Sejabogia is God now. When we know that Christ is the Son of God. And it's not Sejabogia either. So you got to be very beware of these doctrines, this trinity, where three is one and one is three. That's why you know they can't even do math. It's like, how is that? I, I missed that one. How is the three one? No, the three isn't one. You have blood, you have muscles, you have veins. And those have three different functions. But they to collectively, they make a body. That's what that is. That's not three, that's one. Because what does that mean? That means there was a time when the Most High was to himself. Before he even pulled the Holy Spirit out of him. So that's a doctrine of the devil. That's a doctrine of the devil. The rapture doctrine. That came directly from the Jesuits and from, uh, you know, high Satanists. In the Catholic Church. Why would they want you to believe that there's going to be a rapture? Because if if there's no if I'm not raptured, then I might as well get this mark because all of that don't happen until after the rapture. See how that is? So now you're not gonna leave America either because you believe you're gonna be raptured. <laughs> when the Bible said that a servant is not more worthy than his master, if Christ had to endure, you will have to endure. Why should you be raptured up? Into heaven and not go through any destruction. How is he going to prove you? How is he going to figure if he can trust you? How is that going through what Christ went through? 
So these are the doctrines that you must be aware of. Read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Verse 18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Right. Now, let's go to Mark 10 and 18. Further proof that Christ is not the most high. Usually when somebody is saying that, dealing with a Christian, uh, I go right here. I go straight to here. Uh, Mark uh, 10 and 18. You're saying the most high, I mean, you're saying Christ is God. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Let's see. Mark 10 verse 18. And Christ said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. See? So look at that. That's the separation. Christ said, don't even call me good. Call God good. I thought he was God, though. See? So that's a doctrine that comes from the Roman Catholic Church that is a fiery path to hell. Because God is a jealous God. And he don't want his son getting his adulation either. It's just like if you have a son or a daughter, you don't, and you put, you know, you build and establish a business, have a name, a reputation. Should they get your respect? No. Instead of you, the person who established the business, carried it for 100 years, put money behind the name, branded it. Should they get that? So the Most High is very, we got to be very careful where we are giving our worship and praise to. Let's go to Matthew 24 and 5. Matthew 24, verse 5. Matthew 24, verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. I am Christ. I am Christian. See? So they've changed what the Christians are. They've rebranded it, taken it away from us, and then give you this and say that's Christianity. When that wasn't the Christianity in the Bible. Christianity was not a religion. Christians were Jews who believed in Christ. That's what they were. Uh, what scripture uh, did you leave off on, bro? Five. Five. Uh... Read that one more time. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Right. So we wanted to prove to you that you got to be aware of those doctrines in order to know where you are in prophecy. The fact that you know those doctrines are false shows you that it's getting, it's close. It's close because you're even awake now. Just think of how much you went through to even find this information, how you found it. It wasn't like you went looking for it. It just knocked on your door and came right to you, which shows you that it's something deeper there. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Second Timothy. We're going to Second Timothy uh, three and one. Second Timothy three verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. So that's twofold. That's saying there'll be homosexuals. A lot of homosexuals. Read it again, brother. Verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. 
covetous, boasters, proud. So homosexuals, they will be all about themselves. They would love themselves more than others. They would also be loving other men. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters. Covetousness, which means everything you see, you want. Everything you see. When you get, it's just like a kid. You get a toy, and then in two days, you're like, eh, I need another toy. I need another one. That one's old. I don't like that one. See, you just keep moving the bar. That's covetousness. Boasters. Boasters. That's being braggadocious. Just like our hip hop music. Look at my chain. Look at my girl. Look at my rims. That's that's music now. <laughs> All you gotta do is, uh, you know, boast yourself pretty much <laughs> on a song, and that's hip hop now. Continue, brother. Proud, blasphemers. Blasphemers. That blasphemy means they would blaspheme the Most High's name during these times. In fact, they would say it's no God. They would disrespect the Most High's name. Why? Simply because they have a mouth? Wow. Read that one more time, brother. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Disobedient to parents. Now, that's a good one because I know a lot of young people in the truth. They get this information, then they run and then to their house and like, what are you doing in here? You celebrating this and you eating this food and what are you doing up in here? <laughs> and they like, we've... Eating the same food we did with you. That's what we doing up in here. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. <laughs> so the doctrine is not for you to go disrespect your parents. I don't care how much you know. Even now, still today, for me, you are not. the doctrine wasn't for you to go act like you know something more than your parents. Because you can't teach your parents nothing unless they allow you to teach them. That's the thing. That's the only way it's going to work. So you continue to be that light, right, of love and understanding. And one day your mom or your dad or whoever may come to you and say, what you're dealing with interests me. Can you show me a little something? And then you got to be prepared because that may be your only chance to ever do it. So you got to be prepared. Read verse 2 again, brother. Verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Uh, it says unthankful. So that means we would start, we would have a short memory as to what God have done for us. Mm-hmm. We would feel some sort of entitlement. Every time he gets you something, you're just unthankful with that. You need more. It's not good enough. And even to, you know, in a different angle. I know some brothers that we've been able to, or some people that we've been able to share information with, and then they'll take that same information, flip it on us (laughs) as if we did something wrong. It's like even the brothers that I learned from, even though I learned some things outside of them, baptism, the Most High's name, I would never disrespect those brothers. They will be the same thing to me forever, which is how I, when I met them, I would never disrespect my brothers, no matter how much I know. We've become unthankful. We'll go right up into the same church that raised us and question them before they flock. When really that Bible, even though it wasn't being taught right, that spirit that was there actually helped you out. So we got we can't pick up that spirit of entitlement. Well, you know, I, I came to the truth. I ain't really 
come here to be struggling and stuff. I could have did this all day. He said we was the kings. Where Where is it? He said we was the queens. Where is my rulership at? That's another thing that goes down with Israel. And that's why we really got slammed. Because we thought we were somebody back then. And now it's flipped. And as soon as we find out who we are again, we start acting arrogant. Once, right again. And that was nobody more proud than our people. We proud for nothing right now. We don't even know who we are. And we still proud. Just think about that. Just imagine us having this. And how proud that a lot of brothers and sisters would be. That's not the spirit of the Most High. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Read that last part again. Despisers of those that are good. Right. See, so they would... Now, they anything that's good... <laughs> they don't like. They attack anything that's not that's not good, or anything that's good. See, look at that. If you were, and I know family, sometimes they antagonize you because they notice you're not doing things that you used to do. Right? You're not going to some of those parties. It's Friday night. Why you ain't out at the IHOP after the club? Come on, everybody's doing it. <laughs> See. So they'll start to antagonize you. If you was out selling drugs or at the club, they would have less problem with you. You know, they're like, that's just what they do. You're young. You See, but when it comes, when you start dealing with that Bible, though, look at what comes out. What, look what peaks out. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good despisers of those that are good let us show you Isaiah 5 and 20 this is what he's saying Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 Isaiah 5 verse 20 woe unto them that call evil good and good evil read that again verse 20 woe unto them that call evil good and good evil so they'll see what you're doing you following the right things, and then they'll call that bad. They'll call that a cult. They'll start attacking you on that. It's like something is twisted in their brain where now anything that's good, they look at it as evil and vice versa. Oh, you don't want to do the Christmas? You don't want to go to the Halloween party? Then they look at you crazy, and I'm like... Because they want to believe they're already doing good. Right. <laughs> they're perfect. There it is. The self-examination. The self-examination. I'm like, how is that even a question? Like, in my mind, I don't see anything that could even be misconstrued as godly with Halloween. <laughs> and somehow the look on their face is like flabbergasted. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Exactly. See, because that's being a Christian. Doing what you want to do. I just want to use the title. <laughs> right? I just need the title. Then I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is, brothers and sisters. So now that you are actually following it as it's written, everybody's starting to notice you. I spoke to a brother who's in the military today, and I said, you know, they may antagonize you. Because you're doing something different as far as the foods that you're eating, not going out on Saturday. But really, that made you stand out in the military. Yeah. 
in a in where you're supposed to fit in, in a place where you're supposed to fit in. You wear the same thing, you do the same thing as everybody else. You speak the same language. They all going this way, and then you've pulled out. Because you're doing something different now, and that's the way. See? Now they're gonna joke on you now. Oh, he can't do that. That's part of his religion. He can't even read that book. He can't read the book. No, he can't even watch TV. <laughs> so this is what they'll do. This is what they do now. Now it's a joke. Right? Which scripture did you leave off on, brother? I was on 18. All right. Um, let's see. Read verse 20. 20 yeah. 20. That's good. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, so everything you do will be misconstrued as evil. You just don't want to spend time with your family. You just this, you're in a cult. You just think you're better than somebody. They will always misconstrue your purpose. When that's not your purpose at all. See? See? So, there will be some that call evil good and good evil. But that's the thing. If the world loves you, you're not doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing is why you're being attacked. That's the proof. If everybody can just get along with you, I mean, and I don't mean get along, but if everybody just agrees with what you believe, you you definitely, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something wrong. Because you die over truth. Ask Martin Luther King. Ask Malcolm X. Ask Christ. You die for truth. This isn't a game. Let's go. Read that one more time before we move on. Verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Right, let's go to John 15 and 18. John chapter 15, verse 18. Because if the world loves you, something's wrong. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, Ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Read that again. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. Right, see? Christ was hated. So if you're loved, then that's something, something ain't right. Something is not right. Because Christ was hated. So expect this. This is the mental preparation for what's getting ready to transpire. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 18. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. Read that again. If ye, verse 19, if ye were of the world, the world would love his own. See, so if you was of the world, it wouldn't be a problem. I'm going to the strip club, throw some dollars. It's not a problem. It's not even a problem. I'm going to the nightclub to do this and do that, buy bottle service and all this other stuff. Not a problem. Only when you start going towards that Bible do it become a problem. The same friends that allowed you to do drugs, took you to the drugs, get drunk, get blasted, all this other stuff. Now, all of a sudden, they have a conscience. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, didn't have a conscience when any of that stuff was going down. Right. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. See, he chose you. Because he knew you would be strong enough to be hated. Mm-hmm. Everybody can't take that. Right. Everybody don't have thick skin like that. The Most High chose you. He chose you. And I think, you know, I, it's a blessing for me to be persecuted for Christ. I love it. 
I love being persecuted for Christ's name. That makes me feel good. I'm like, I'm doing something right. I'd rather make you uncomfortable than make myself uncomfortable with the truth. With Christ, of course, righteously. Let's go to let's go to Luke 11. Because if the world loves you, you're doing something wrong. Luke, back in the gospel, brothers and sisters. We're going to Luke 11 and 14. Luke 11, verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was going out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. So he's, now Christ have healed people, and they're saying Christ is using Beelzebub, which is Satan, to cast out demons. Look at that. Don't that sound like people saying you're in a cult? See, they looked at Christ and said he was Satan. He was using the power of Satan. See? See how that kind of transfers to you? How people think you're following a cult when you're just actually following God? Following God now is a cult. That shows you that following God is the minority because a cult is something that is frowned upon and small and secluded. Following the Most High is, is secluded amongst all this other rubbish. Look at this. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 15. But some of them said... He casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. So when they say you're in a cult, no, automatically you're on the right road. <laughs> Especially when you're dealing with people who claim that they follow the Bible. Anytime that happens, you know right away. Because when you was going to church on Sunday, eating pork, crab, shrimp, and lobster, celebrating every day on the calendar, you, you wasn't in a cult then. Right. Somehow. True. See how that works? Let's move to Matthew 10 and 24. Because that's what the, that's what will come on this walk. People will start to antagonize you, question you, and say you're following Satan. We're going to read Matthew 10 and 24. Matthew 10 verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Read that again. Verse 24. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. Read that again. Verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? See, so if they call the master Beelzebub, what's going to happen to the household? So if they said that about Christ, what do you think they're going to say about you? Read it again, brother. Verse 25. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Right. See, because why? Anything that happens to are we better than Christ? No. So whatever he had to endure, we would have to endure. That's what that's saying. If it can happen to your master, your Lord and Savior, it will definitely happen to you. That's what this is saying. So people picking and saying you're in a cult and trying to overly explain what your beliefs are, even though you didn't ask them. You ever notice that people will start trying to, when they get around you, other people get around you, they'll start trying to explain what you're dealing with. I'm like, brother, you don't need to explain to him 
what I'm dealing with, okay? You need to just lay off, brother, okay? <laughs> You'll notice that because they don't want you to go too deep into it. So they have to belittle it through the way that they're speaking. Therefore, if you say it and it, it's thought jogging, then the person will be taken aback. So they have to belittle it in the way that they say it. Yeah, well, he don't do that because, you know, he's dealing with that Bible and all that. You know what I mean? So this is how they do it. They'll say it in a way that's not inviting to make it as if they're chumping it almost. See, they'll never let you go and say what you're dealing with because they know it's going to start an hour-long conversation. They know that. See? So watch this. What scripture did you leave off on, brother? 25. 25? Okay. Um, let's go to Revel- uh, excuse me. Let's go to Isaiah 9. Uh, Isaiah 19, excuse me. Verse 1? Uh, yes, sir, because we're going to go into some prophecies. Mm-hmm. Now, this is in prophecy. You need to know what's going to transpire. So we have gone into the mindset that we must be in. These are some of the things that are going to happen. This is the burden of Egypt. Check this out. Isaiah 19 verse 1. Right. Because why? Because Egypt is not exempt from culpability in this. They went too far with us also. And the most high have a judgment coming there. Also. Read that brother. Isaiah 19 verse 1. The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence. And the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of... See, so there's a judgment coming to Egypt also for using us to build the mortar on their their constructs. Most I didn't forget about that. May have been a long time ago for you. But there is a judgment coming to that land also. And that's why we don't have any attachment to any land out there. Because the Most High said, what? Be like pilgrims on the earth. There's judgment coming there also, brothers and sisters. Read that, read that again, brother. Verse 1. The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence. And the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight every one against his brother. So look at this. Now the Most High put a spirit where they're going to be fighting themselves now. They're going to be fighting each other now. This is part of the judgment. Read that again, brother. Verse 2. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians. So this is an an internal fight now. This is internal. Now, not only is this talking about Egypt, the geographical location, but it's talking about spiritual Egypt also. We're going to prove that to you. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight every one against his brother, and every one against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. See? So this is the geographical location of Egypt and the spiritual Egypt. Now, you may be thinking, how do you know there's a spiritual Egypt? Well, let us show you. Revelations 11, verse 8. To prove to you that there's a spiritual Egypt also. So this is what's coming to both. You need to know what places are going to be safe in prophecy. You need to know when you need to pick and move, pick and move, pick and move. So you must know. uh, Revelations 11, uh, verse 8 and 9. Revelations 11, verse 8. 
And their body and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Now, why is it saying dead bodies? Because we're dead spiritually in this place. Why? Because we don't know who we are. This is spiritual Egypt. Read that again, brother. Verse eight. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Which what? Spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Now, Sodom and Egypt. Why is it saying that? Because number one, Sodom was known for homosexuality. You know, sodomitish behavior. Egypt was our first captivity. See? So this isn't just going down in a geographical location. It is there, but also in this land that's using the pyramid, the Egyptian pyramid on their money. Those same people. Continue, brother. Verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Where also our Lord was crucified. Right. So you would have. This is the valley of the dry bones. We're dead in this particular land. And you would have homosexuals. Over government seats. Presidents would have them all up in the cabinet. This is what would go on. It's like Sodom. It's like Egypt. Continue brother. Verse 9. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations. Shall see their dead bodies three days and a half. And shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put into graves. Right. So we wanted to show you that this isn't just a geographical location, but also spiritually Egypt. Now, let's go back to Isaiah 19 and, um, 19 and 1. This is the prophecy. Isaiah 19 verse 1. The burden of Egypt. Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud. It shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight every one against his brother. Now that's an internal fight in the land. And every one against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof. See, so there's a punishment coming. Continue. And I will destroy the council thereof. And they shall seek to the idols and to the charmers and to them that have familiar spirits. So when this start to transpire, they're going to start going to their sorcerers. They're going to start going to the Dalai Lama. They're going to start going to the Pope. They're going to start going to the Tibetan print. This is where they're going to go because they're going to try to find out what's going on. How can they fight back? The Most High have put a spirit. Read that one more time, brother. Verse three. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof. And I will destroy the council thereof, and they shall seek to the idols, and to the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and to the wizards. Right, so these high diplomats will start seeking those Masonic gods once again. Continue, brother. Verse 4, and the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of the cruel Lord. Read that again. And Verse 4, and the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel Lord. And a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And the water shall fail from the sea. Read that again. Verse 5. And the water shall fail from the sea, and the rivers shall be wasted and dried up. Right, so the, this is saying the rivers will deplete. What rivers is talking about? This is over there. This is the Nile River. It's prophesied that the Nile River will deplete. Read that again, brother. Verse 5. And the water shall fail from the sea. And the rivers shall be wasted and dried up. And they shall turn the rivers far away. 
and the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried up. Right. So right now there's a political ball game in Israel going on where they are um, they're negotiating with uh, certain lands in Africa to be able to what they want to do is control that water and only give it out as a resource for those who receive the mark. See? So that would I don't understand you don't know how much that water makes everything around there live. So it would be a famine and what they do is they're pretty smart. The government is pretty smart is they'll go upstream and then they'll start making ravines and bleeding it dry off on the sides and then contaminating it. So they'll go upstream, make a man-made pond or, you know, something like that bigger. And they'll start draining it right out of there. They want to control the water resource. Read it again, brother. Verse 5. This is in Egypt. This is the now. And the water shall fail from the sea, and the rivers shall be wasted and dried up. And they shall turn the rivers far away, and the brooks of the fence shall be emptied and dried up. Right. See, they will be emptied and dried up. So that's what this is saying is that the waters now is going to be tainted. This water will be tainted. This is part of that. This is this is part of that judgment. Continue, brother. The reeds and flags shall wither. Verse seven. The paper reached by the brooks, by the mouth of the brooks, and everything sown by the brooks shall wither, be driven away, and be no more. Right. See, so this is a famine. The water will be tainted. They're going to control. This already over the last probably ten to fifteen years. They haven't just been fighting over oil. They're fighting over the water resources. That's what they're fighting over, especially since the Gulf and the BP oil spill. So all the waters aren't good and they know this. So they're not just going into other countries for oil. The water controls everything. No crops, no, no wildlife, no anything. Read it again, brother. Verse seven, the paper reads by the brooks, by the mouth of the brooks and everything sown by the brooks shall wither, be driven away and be no more. Verse eight. The fishes also shall mourn. Look at the fish in the sea after the go. Look at the fish in the Gulf Coast after the BP oil spill. Look at them. There's nothing that you can do to make that right. Continue, brother. Verse eight: The fishers shall be the fishers shall also mourn, and all they that cast angle into the brook shall lament, and they that spread nets upon the water shall languish. Read that one more time. Verse eight. The fishers also shall mourn, and all that they that cast angle into the brook shall lament, and they that spread nets upon the water shall languish. That's saying that these fishers are going to lose money because you can't sell that fish. This is going to affect the entire economy because also the auto mechanics for the ships, they're out of a job now. See, this is what's going on. So you must be like a pilgrim on the earth. You can't just go one place and think that you're going to be good there because it's coming everywhere because they all had a hand in taking down Israel. So don't think that you're going to run to Africa and that's going to be the motherland. You may be able to go there for a time, but it's going to get hectic there. There's something coming specifically there. You know that Esau want that land particularly. Why? Because they got unreaped resources. The only land. So everybody is trying to get there, and they couldn't do it with an Edomite president, so they had to put the black man in to take him into Libya, to take him into Syria. Because there was the only way you would get into that African 
That whole land is through a black face, and they knew this. They planned this a long time ago, brothers and sisters. Continue, brother. Verse 9. Moreover, they that work in fine flats, and they that weave networks shall be confounded, and they shall be broken in the purposes thereof. Right, so jobs will be lost. If there's no Gulf Coast, there's no what? There's no Louisiana. There's no Florida. See? All that's out of business now. Continue, brother. Verse 9. Moreover, they that work in fine flats, and they that weave networks shall be confounded, and they shall be broken in the purposes thereof, all that make sluices and ponds for fish. Read that again. Verse 10. And they shall be broken in the purposes thereof, all that make sluices and ponds for fish. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. The counsel of the wise counselors of Pharaoh is become brutish. How say ye unto Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings. See, so he's saying, where are your idols at now? What are your idols going to do now? Hmm? Because that's going to throw off everything. That water being controlled and drained down is going to affect everything, brothers and sisters, including what's going on in America. Continue, brother. Verse 12. Where are they? Where are the wise men? And let them tell thee now, and let them know what the Lord of hosts hath proposed unto Egypt. See? So where are those idols? Where are those where are those those kings and presidents and where they at? What they gonna do for you? Continue, brother. Verse 13. The princes of Zoan are become fools. The princes of Memphis are deceived. They have also seduced Egypt, even they that are the stay of the tribes thereof. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. He put a perverse spirit lingering in the midst of Egypt that would cause them to fight each other. Read it again, brother. Verse 14. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err in every work thereof, as a drunken man staggereth in his vomit. So they're going to be like a drunken man staggering out of a tavern. His equilibrium's off. He can't stand. He don't know what's going on. This is what's going to happen there. Continue, brother. Verse 15. Neither shall they shall there be any work for Egypt. Read that again. Neither shall there be any work for Egypt. See, so now there's no jobs. See, we take that job also with that water resource being drained. Now there's no jobs. Look at this. This is coming to Egypt. Continue, brother. Verse 15. Neither shall there be any work for Egypt, which the head or tail branch or rush may do. And that day shall Egypt be like unto women, and it shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shaketh over it. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 16. And that day shall Egypt be like unto women, and it shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shaketh over it. Continue. Verse 17. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Read that again. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. See, so Benjamin, Judah, and Levi are going to terrorize that Egyptian land. See? That same land where we were captives, we're going to terrify. And they know it's coming. There's a bunch of us already there. There's a bunch of Israelites already there. Read it again, brother. Verse 17. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Everyone that maketh mention thereof shall be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, 
which he hath determined against it. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 17. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Everyone that maketh mention thereof shall be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, which he hath determined against it. Right. So <clears throat> we would tear that same land where we were enslaved. Continue. Verse 18. In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts. One shall be called the city of destruction. Continue. 19. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt. Read 18 one more time, brother. Verse 18. In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan and swear to the Lord of hosts. One shall be called the city of destruction. Verse 19. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. Right. So we, there will be a temple or a tabernacle built for the worship of the Most High because some of our people are already there. This is what this is saying. We're going to terrorize this land, these people righteously through what the Most High is saying. Continue, brother. Verse 20. And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressor. So once, the you know, our people that are in that land are oppressed through the no work, through the uh, the waters being dried up, through the vaccination program and all the other things of eugenics that they have there, we're going to cry out to the Most High. Some of our people are going to cry out to the Most High from that very land. And guess what? Read it, brother. Verse 20. And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors. And he shall send them a savior and a great one. And he shall deliver them. Right, so there will be a remnant of Israel who will <clears throat> who will have stake in Egypt. It's already there. There is a remnant already there. And when they call on the Most High, these Egyptians are going to meet Christ. Read it again, brother. Verse You're going to find out who Christ is. Verse 20. And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. For they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors. And he shall send them a savior and a great one. And he shall deliver them. See, and he shall deliver them. They're going to find out who Christ is. They're going to find Yeshua. Continue, brother. Verse 21. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt. And the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day. See, so they shall, we will teach them how to worship the Most High. They will know the Most High. They will know his name through us. Continue, brother. Verse 21. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt. And the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and shall do sacrifice and oblation. Yeah, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it. See, where are they going to learn this from? From Israel. They're going to learn it from us. Continue, brother. Verse 22. And the Lord shall smite Egypt. He shall smite and heal it. And they shall return even to the Lord. And he shall be entreated of them and shall heal them. Read that again, brother. Verse 22. And the Lord shall smite Egypt. He shall smite and heal it, and they shall return even to the Lord, and he shall be entreated of them, and shall heal them. Now, this is our people that's in that land. Continue. Verse 23. And that day shall there be an highway out of Egypt to Assyria. So when Christ come back, they're going to build a highway. Read it again, brother. Verse 23. And that day shall there be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria. From Egypt to Assyria. And the Assyrian shall come into Egypt. And the Egyptian into Assyria. 
and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. So the Assyrians and the Egyptians are going to come serve the children of Israel. This is what's going to happen. They're going to come on this highway and serve the children of Israel and the Most High God on His holy days. Righteously. That's what's going to happen. Continue, brother. Verse 24. And that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. To prove to you that there's... This proved to you the percentage of us that's already there. It said Israel will be a third with the Assyrians and the Egyptians. So there'll be a third of us there. Look at that. Read it again, brother. Verse 24. And that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land, whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. Right. So... Some of our people went back into the land, uh, the Puerto Ricans, uh, excuse me, the Ephraimites, the uh, tribe of Manasseh. They went into those lands, back into those lands after the split of the kingdom, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They went into those lands. They have stake there now, a lot of them. And there will be a judgment and it will be a famine coming to that land. Now, if you're there, you understand what you can do to make it on the other side of prophecy. If you're not there, then you know when to stay away from there and what's going to come there and how you may help get people from there. Because that land is going to be smoked, just like Israel was going to be smoked. There's one safe place, one. And that's where he told Baruch, where I speak to you in this land, second Baruch, which is modern day Saudi Arabia. That's where you need to be. If you're not there, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard, brothers and sisters. So today's lesson was mental preparation uh, to survive prophecy. We want to say, Kwam Yashala. Kwam Yashala. Shalom. Give me the strength to